Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and DCRadio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. I'm your host, Wendy Cherry, and I'm excited about today's guest and the topic. So I have my soror here. Her name is Marcia Olivia Wright. She's a business owner, a culinary artist, youth advocate, mentor, and has been practicing family, criminal, and contract law in D.C. and Virginia for the last 15 years. 15 years. Wow. She has an intense passion for cooking and the healing properties of food and also teaches seminars on healthy eating through her culinary company, Sweet Mossies, which I want to learn more about that. Okay. And her most rewarding work, she says, is as a co-facilitator of a Washington, D.C.-based, African-centered rites of passage program for teenage girls. Her life's purpose is to teach women and girls how to awaken to their highest divine self and calling through creativity, spiritual practice, and ritual, conscious eating, mindfulness, and most of all, living out loud. So those are all amazing things that every human being really should aspire to. So welcome to the sanctuary. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to chat and talk about some things with you. This will be great. Yes. So... What I want to talk about first is because we have lots here, but I'd like to talk about the African-centered rites of passage program that you have. Mm -hmm. So it's a rites of passage for teenage girls. And how did you get involved with it? And did you go through a rites of passage yourself as Mm -hmm. a child? Mm -hmm. So the rites of passage uh, program that I am a co-facilitator with is the womanhood training program, which is actually based out of Union Temple in uh, Washington, D.C. And I have been working with this particular program since 2013, I believe, is Mm -hmm. the year I started. And I started just, it was not planned at all. Uh, What happened was that the facilitators at the time, the mamas of the program, wanted me to creatively introduce the girls to the village when they were first being seen by the village when they started their process. And the village is who? The village would be, you know, the church. Okay, the church. Um, All or right. whoever in the community came to support their um, initial coming out. Okay. And so they wanted to, the facilitators wanted to be kind of involved in the process and not um, being on the mic. And somehow uh, the leader at the time intuitively knew that I have this creative writing um 
public speaking, poetic background. Okay. And so she knew that I could creatively put together an intro that would be dynamic for them to present themselves to the church. And when I went in to practice with the girls, um, it was a day that they were just kind of off kilter mm-hmm. um, in their teenage mm-hmm. attitude, wasn't being productive. And I came in and I watched for a second and I asked the facilitators, I said, you know, can I have a moment with the girls? And they were like, by all means, please, somebody right. take them. Right. And I got them girls in shape in a matter of 20 minutes Okay. Uh, with my don't play, get in line, straight up, let's go um, sort of mechanism. And they were like, okay, so now that you've done that, so when you come in to work with the program? And I was like, ah, let me consider. Right. So we end up doing the introduction, and the next thing I know, I was invited to actually help run the program. Okay. So I came on as a um, member of the committee is what it's called. But it's okay. the, one of the facilitators. is nine of us that facilitates the program. And so I started working intensely with the program, you know, since then. Okay. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So now... Did you have a rite of passage? So I think about myself being at Brownies, being mm-hmm. at Girl Scouts, going to church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did whatever little programs they had at church, mm-hmm. or but I didn't really have anything. So did you have anything? I did not have a formal rites of passage. Okay. Um, not as a teenage girl. Um, I did work in rites of passage before because Arlington County had a rites of passage program. Okay. That they had in South Arlington. Okay. So when I was in law school, I actually worked um, in that program. Hmm. And my little sister did a rites of passage. So I would think that was my first time actually seeing the process. Okay. Um, but I myself did not do it. Okay. No. So now let's take a step to the very beginning okay. and talk about what is a rite of passage what is you said you said you use the word program Mm -hmm. so what is that and maybe even talk about what you know of the history of Mm -hmm. rites of passage well I think that uh, rites of passage is different depending on who's facilitating it okay Um, the general idea of it is that it is for the African community it is a way in which we celebrate and prepare young girls and young boys um, to transition into womanhood and manhood. Mm -hmm. So it is um, a very ritualistic, formal, community-based, elder-supported process wherein um, the youth are learning tradition, spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for us, we of course expand it to fit modern day needs. But it is a time to kind of celebrate and honor the transition from adolescence into adulthood. Okay. And it's the same thing, for instance, with uh, bar and bar mitzvahs for the Jewish community. Right. And the quinceaneros with the uh, Latin community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that same process of celebrating what is a major milestone in the transition of life. Of course, you have your ritual of birth, you have your ritual of death. But what about the transition you know, into adolescence, which is significant and important in all communities. Right, right. Okay. So I remember watching Roots when Mm -hmm. I was little Mm -hmm. and seeing Kunta Kente going out and he was with his people his age and then he went out to get the skin for the drum or whatever. Right, right. And then that's when it all went south. So like, I think that I remember he was going through a rite of passage. Um, And so... And like you're saying, in the African, I think what we probably know more widely here in the West is the bat bar mitzvah Mm -hmm. for for the Jewish community. So can you talk about maybe some of the elements that are that you all do at Union Temple with the womanhood training? 
what do they get like if a, and what are the ages so we bring them in um, as early as 13 mm. um, and hopefully a mature 13. Okay. And we're still trying to um, balance that out because we, this particular committee of women, we just took the program over. So the program is more than 30 years old. Oh, wow. But our elders ran the program for years. And so back in 2013, 2012 is when there was a transition to a sort of younger set of women to run the program. Okay. So we are kind of figuring the elements out, what we need to introduce based on the community that we serve. Okay. We're doing that every cycle because it's okay. a two and a half year cycle. Oh, wow. So two and a half years. It's a two and a half year cycle. It's two years to two and a half years. It depends on the preparedness of the girls okay. because we cross over in Africa. That's a whole nother tradition that we can talk about. Yes. Um, and so the girls have to be ready. And so that may take two years. It may take two and a half. It just sort of depends on the the, the group, group of girls, yes. So some of the things that we do for is uh, we do a beading ceremony. So all of the girls have on the same set of beads. Okay. Um, during out throughout their process, they get African names. Okay. Um, and they're actually named by the chief. They go through a naming ceremony. Um, they have to wear lapas, and they of course are learning tradition. They're learning the African prayers. They have to recite that. They have a, a particular creed in the program. They have to learn that, recite that. Um, they do. They have to learn ritual libations, things of that nature. Okay. Um, and so they pour libations and pay homage to the ancestors in the beginning. They learn about the different um, deities mm -hmm. in both the Akan tradition and in the Yoruba tradition. Okay. Um, and so uh, then we just incorporate more modern stuff as well. Okay. So that is part of the traditions that, traditions that they... Now that sounds interesting. So I'm thinking about modern DMV children, mm -hmm, <laughs> little mm -hmm. girls, and yes. I have one. Uh -huh. I have a almost 16 year old. Uh -huh. And so how do you get them to participate? Like, do you have them that just want to come in? So I'm thinking like if you're back in an indigenous society, it was just something that you did. Mm -hmm. You probably looked forward to it or not, you mm -hmm. know, when you're young, but there was no question that you're participating. Right. And it's an honor, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But now we're so modern and so fancy that, and then we don't know these traditions, mm -hmm. you know. Um, how do you get it to translate where you could not want to strangle somebody's little baby, but get them to really understand the beauty and the privilege that they have being a part of this? It really depends on the child because we have a, a wide range of backgrounds that okay. come into the program. So some of the girls, they pra they already practice this at home. Their parents um, gotcha. have an African base. If there are kids that come from Union Temple, Union Temple is a Baptist church, but we very much so um, practice the Akan tradition um, incorporated into our worship experience. My okay. pastor is a sub-chief in the village of Asankwagwa in Ghana. Okay. So it's something that they see okay. as far as in church. Um, but then the, the other one, other kids who don't have that background at all, they may not get it until crossover time. Okay. I would say in my last set of girls, I really saw the click mm -hmm. when they went to the first slave castle when we were in Ghana. Oh, and so it, you it, actually went to Ghana. We asked, yes, they went to Ghana. They okay. went to Ghana for, I think, 11 or 12 days. Oh, man. Um, and that is their final crossover, is their journey in Ghana. And it's very specifically designed to lead them to their final rights, which is the crossover that they do on the banks of the river where the slave ship sailed out. My goodness. And um, it's a beautiful, sacred, powerful It sounds that ceremony. way. Ceremony. Yeah. Yes, it is. I, 
it's you can't even put it in words the experience okay it's pretty amazing so you so we have how many students how many little young women how many <laughs> young women do you have in the um in the group Mm-hmm. How do they get in the group? Okay. Um, what's their process? So now I'm, we're in a sorority. Uh-huh. We're, we're Deltas. Yes. Hey, shout hey, out to hey, all the sororities. Hey, hey. And so I know what that ritual looks like. Right. I know what that process of wanting to be down, wanting right. to be apart, and then going through the actual process to do it, and then having my own rituals mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. And those being very sacred and beautiful and me kind of like not understanding it all when I did it 26 years ago, mm-hmm. but now being able to, am I you know, adult, adult life, being able to pull from some of those things that I learned to be able to navigate things. So how do you get them and how do you create it so that they feel it's as impactful as you want it to be? Mm -hmm. So we get them by, there's a period, an application period. So we're in that period right now. So we are um, getting in applications. Once we get in the applications, we do a screening process. Okay. So we interview both the young lady and their parents um, to make sure that they are in a place and space in their life where, at, number one, they can commit to two and a half years or two years of a process. Mm-hmm. Number two, whether or not they are capable of engaging you know, a process and whether or not there's going to be parental support because rites of passage isn't just about the kid. When yeah. we're talking about an African-centered rites of passage, it, it is the village, it's, it's the, the community. Right. So the parents have to be engaged in the process. And there are various things and rituals in the process that the mothers are involved and the fathers are involved okay. because there's communal he- healing. Okay. There's family-based healing um, that, that happens as you are transitioning a young black girl, mm-hmm. which is quite different mm-hmm. um, growing up in this particular society. So we do the interview with the parents. We do the interview of the child. They fill out their application. Once we do that and we sort of look at it and see what we have, we then will invite them in. Okay. Um, and so I can't say that everyone is invited because it really kind of depends on what's on the application, right. age and so forth and so on. And so, you know, once they come in, you know, we then set the ground rules. This is how this is going to be Mm -hmm. because they have to go through two and a half years of their social media being monitored all the time. Mm -hmm. They have to live up to the creed. Okay. They have to live by that, you know, and if not their consequences, you know, it's very similar to being online in that regard. Yeah. Um, And so how they buy into it, I think first it's, you know, by being in session with us, they're with us at least once a month. Okay. They're in session. That's all what I was going to ask. Two yeah. and a half years. What is it like every Saturday? It's or? every third Saturday. Okay. But it's all day every third Saturday. Okay. And so, you know, in in each session is cultivated and designed to further promote what we're ultimately trying to instill in them. Okay. So we follow the nine principles of the church, which is basically village, African village based principles of how you network and connect and love and heal and grow as a community. Okay. Then there is the African pledge and they, in the elements of that, there is the elements of the creed. So every ounce of programming is designed to teach and to develop spiritually, socially, academically based on African based principles. And so in that, they get to bond yeah. because they're doing things together, like sitting at the meditation museum and, and learning the art of meditation and sound bowls mm. and, and, and healing. They are, you know, 
talking and sharing because it's a sacred space. It's a sacred circle. Mm -hmm. So we tell the parents in the beginning, listen, there's some things that your child will say to us here that you will never know. That's right. There may be a time where we have to come and knock on your door at night and, and bring your child outside to talk to them. And you're not going to know what we're talking about. Right. But in this process, they have to learn how to depend on their sisters. Okay. And how to share and emote in a space that's sacred, how to trust young girls and women. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be held accountable because they are always going to be in age order. They're going to sit in age order. Hmm. They're going to always know when to respect their elders, when they need to, to, to pour libation, when they need to you know step back and honor you know certain deities. They're going to be learning this stuff. And then we're going to be expecting you to be instilling the same things at home so they're having a mirror experience. And so in that, they're bonding with each other. Right. They're developing, even if it's not friendship, at the very least, it's developing sisterhood, which mm-hmm. as we get older, we understand that that can be just as important. Absolutely. You know? And so they are learning how to respect and journey together. Okay. And so in that, even if they're not getting the African principle side of it just yet, it's not clicking, they're at least getting relationship. Right. They're at least getting truth and healing and accountability. Right. And those type of things, which ultimately gets them to, okay, you know, we're well, in Africa. This is, what this, is what, this is what it is. That's beautiful. Yeah. Like, I, I, need it's, to, it's, I, I need to sign up now. I need to sign myself up. I would, and my girlfriends. I feel like we all need that. I really, I would love to do an adult program for women to do this with each other. Because um, talking about it, even just talking about it brings tears to my eyes. Because yeah. it's such a beautiful experience and there isn't enough rites of passage programs in this country. There are some and they're yeah. they're fantastic. Yeah. But you know, when I think about just even the work that I do, I'm a lawyer okay. and um, I do criminal law and I did a I uh, had a long history in dealing with juvenile justice and juvenile law. And when I think about the needs of black and brown children, Mm -hmm. I understand how important it is for them to learn in the space of tradition. Because yes, we are living in this American society, but you cannot take the roots of the people away from the people. So even when I was, um, you know, back and doing entertainment work and, you know, working with a band and and dealing with the the impacts of go-go and how establishments didn't want go-go music played because they didn't understand what would happen with these kids when this drum beat Mm -hmm, played. mm -hmm. And so I just would, you know, sit them down and talk to them like, listen, do you understand that as a child with African blood in your veins, when you hear the sound that is similar to a djembe, which is a call drum, Mm-hmm. That there is something that's going to be invoked in your spirit. And there is nothing that you can do to prevent the dance and the running around and all the things that happen with the right. invocation of the drum because that is who you are that's as a young are. African king. Right. And so then you understand what go-go music is. You understand what happens when they hear the horns and they hear the... It is a ritual calling. Right. Every single time a band plays, it is a ritual in and of itself. Right. And so... Understanding that and, and opening that up to kids, you understand why it's important that children understand their triggers. They mm-hmm. understand the things that are pulling them and driving them. You know, why am I having this experience? And you cannot, you can duck and hide all you want, but you cannot in any way suppress the things that are running through your veins. It's going to come out one way Eventually. somehow or another. Right. And the way that it comes out in most black people is through the rituals of black church. Mm-hmm. Right. When you talking about shouting and all of that stuff, that's ritual. You just heard the drum and that organ and you can't do nothing but run. Right. You know, you can call it what you want. <laughs> right. But what, what's happening here is the spirit of the ancestors are running all through this building. And when they come, you don't have any choice but to heal. Right. 
Right. You don't have any choice but to give reverence. And what a great gift to teach a young yes. person. Like yes. for you to know that at like between 13 and 18 is is 18 the max of the age of the girls? We would like to bring them well it depends cuz it depends on when they cross over based on, you know, when they're brought into um we had one year where um one of the the candidates was away at college for the okay. second part of her process. Okay. Um, so she had to do it remotely. So it re- we really want to be able to work with them while they're here because of the intensity of the program. Right. So I would say at the at the oldest, by the time they cross over, is 18, 19. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, that sounds like any mama, any family would want to have their child participate in that because with the way that things are going in the world is so crazy but to have some kind of grounding it sounds mm-hmm. very nourishing it sounds very grounding yes um yes. and that's like a lesson that you can take with you for the rest of your life and that's what like i saw this documentary on the the elder this one elder gentleman who was the oldest person in um his aboriginal uh, tribe I guess and it was in Australia he was the oldest one and his little grandson was maybe eight Mm -hmm. but he had a uh, he had a phone right so the grandfather was trying to instill the principles in the baby the baby of this whole group this family and he's the elder so he put put the phone away three weeks he had and he they went through this whole process Mm -hmm. and the granddaddy taught the baby everything he Mm -hmm. taught him how to look at the the bushes and the herbs and the trees and the berries and how to walk the paths and where the water was and that was like his gift to his grandson before he passed because nobody else would have this information um the way that he was going to present it so i love that And I think that is really needed for us to help us heal. It is because, you know, it's important that you awaken into children as early as possible their intuitive knowledge Mm -hmm. and have them to truly discover as early as possible the choice that they made prior to entering to this world. You know, what did they come here to do? Mm -hmm. And when you remove the trauma, the parental ideals and expectations and the community pressures and the social media pressures, and they're just sitting with themselves. And you have them in this fertile, vulnerable place and you start tapping into, this is your divine ancestral power and knowledge. This is your bloodline calling. This is your intuition. These are the things and practices that you can invoke in order to truly manifest your divine authority. Mm -hmm. When you get them to start seeing that in themselves, you see their grades change. Mm -hmm. You see their relationship with boys change. You (laughs) see them stand in their power when they get up and and say their name. Like that's big for me. You know, Mm -hmm. when somebody gets up and says their name, who are you? Right. You know, what, what are you here for? Right. I need you to be able to look at people in their eyes and say, I am, Mm -hmm. which is important. That's why they get their African name. You need to be able to say, who's the ancestor that you walk with? They want, I need them to say that like what are the elements of this person that you embody and when you remove the noise and the mess and you get down to the core then you start raising brilliant and free children right 
And that's the goal. Who have the ability and the strength to navigate whatever life puts before them. And to me, that's the goal. Right. That's the goal. Nurture who they are. Who are they called to be? Which is so separate and apart from what they were taught and the lies they were told. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with little black girls, you know, a lot of us come with family abuse. We've been touched since we were six years old. Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, rape and parents on drugs or, you know, daddy and mommy don't get along. I don't see love in my household or self-esteem issues in the age of social media where they're constantly comparing themselves. Like, how do I feel about my natural hair? How do I feel about my body if it's not, you know, thick, quote unquote? Right. You know, you have so <laughs> many things to navigate that's just noise in the midst of such beauty that these little girls embody, they embody so much power mm -hmm. and, and beauty. And, you know, we're in this age of this whole black girl magic rhetoric. Everybody's mm -hmm. talking about black girl magic and mm -hmm. it sounds really good on paper. And when you read about it, you know, but black girl magic to get there is a fetal position. Straight up. You get in a fetal <laughs> position. Right. And you got right. to cry and purge and yell and invoke you know, and so when you cultivate black girl magic into a 13, 14 year old, it looks very different than cultivating the black girl magic into a 28 year old. True. So when you get her at that age, you can present to a world, to the world, someone who's a, who has been able to unpack and navigate those first years of trauma prior to it becoming this wall, right. this insurmountable thing right. that we have to get through at our age, at right. 40, 45, 46, you know? Right. And so it's just, it's good work. It's good work. And, you know, I kind of, the Goddess Awakening Healing Sanctuary, I kind of get us 40 plus, 35 mm -hmm. plus, mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. there was nothing like this to help set the tone. Um, and so then we're in the fetal position, and that's why my logo is a lotus, because whenever you're in the mud and you're going through the issues, but you still have the opportunity to rise, but you, you can rise even greater with information yes and with um a bond of sisters mm -hmm. and family and the village you mm -hmm. know all those things help you to ascend you know so important it's so it's important. important it's so important now what is your model in the template that you said it's been going on for 30 years at least at union temple yes you said there are other organizations that do it mm -hmm. um but what kind of a template do you use to create the different experiences for the modern so like my friend lisa marie says she does ancient african wisdom for the modern sister so these are for the modern young ladies how do you bridge that and where do you get it from so let me see how can i answer that where do we get it from when we do our programming or you know earlier i said we have the framework of what we want to teach. Mm -hmm. The how is based on who we have. So we meet every week okay. as mamas. Okay. You know, we journey and ritual with each other. Okay. And in that process, we are constantly talking and engaging about the dynamics in the group that we have. And so we design our programming for the next session so we know okay we want to teach you are what you eat yes okay. okay this is what the next session is going to be we're going to teach you are what you eat so this is the group that we have we we know their sizes now we know what diseases they may have or hmm. what they're mm -hmm. you know maybe predisposed to yeah um so we have this information based on these group of girls so, okay i know then this you are what you eat session needs to be out in the garden versus mm. at the grocery store right you know you know so it 
it, it the the programming and the design of it is structured and tailored for the group that we're journeying with. And we literally just take the design of the program in and of itself and what we are trying to teach and then cultivate the sessions accordingly. Okay. And then make sure, you know, the traditional things that we do, that's never going to change. Right. Okay. They're always going to get a piece of that. Their day always starts the same. Okay. So tell me about like two moments. So like one, so I want to talk about going to Ghana. Okay. I want to talk about that. But before that, like, when did you know that you were in like a ritual with, with women, with little girls who were, they got it at this point? This group got it and they were having an experience and it was amazing. What did that look like? What did that feel like for you all as the mamas and as the, the, the younger ladies to have that moment in time where you just realize this is ex exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You know, you're making an impact and it just felt good. What was one of those moments? Um, I would say there's so many of them. If we are sitting in a session and talking and something about the session allows the girl the freedom to truly use her words to talk about what it feels like for her father not to be in the home. Gotcha. And the abandonment that comes along with that. Then I know that something in our programming has made her feel safe enough to share that, right? Mm -hmm. Or when we have our beating rituals and we got the mamas in the room mm -hmm. and they got to bathe their babies before we put these beads on and everybody's in white and we're, you know, doing the sacred things that we do in that in that space and you got the mama crying and breaking down yeah, and you I'm got the cry. you got the baby crying and breaking down and you understand the unspoken healing and forgiveness that is happening just with a mother bathing her teenage daughter. Yeah. Just with that. Yeah. Or when the girls are presenting themselves to the village and they're saying, you know, I am goddess, you know, and whatever her name is. And the ancestor that I chose to walk with is such and such. And I am bold. And by the time she gets out bold, tears are streaming down her face. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. She gets it. Yeah. She gets and it. And that's going to be a ripple effect. And that is going to be a ripple effect. Yep. Yep. Because something about what we're doing is saying it is safe and okay for you to stand in your power, beautiful mm -hmm. black girl. Mm -hmm. Stand in it. Own it. Regardless yep. of what this life has looked like and what this has been or what you have felt like, you are enough. Right. You yeah. are love. Right. 40-something, 30-something, 20-something, 60-something, 70. We all need that. You need to. <laughs> we all need that. You, if I can get black women into a room and have them ritual together, have them journey and cross over together, unpack some of the, you know... The, the, the spiritual traditions that were taught in, in the midst of Christianity, which I love, you know, I love church. However, there's something about the teachings in a lot of churches that teaches you that you have to hide behind this cross. Right. That teaches you that you have to beg and plead to a God outside of yourself for something that you already have in you. Mm -hmm. The difference between that and African spirituality is that you reference the God in you. Right. And then how it manifests in all the things around you. And you get to experience God every day without begging or pleading for anything because it's rightfully yours. Right. You know? Right. And and the kids need to know that. Women need to know that. Because how in the world do you mother a daughter 
or mother a son in your household and you yourself don't know the power that you carry? How are you in, in essence creating this child that's able to navigate this world if you are teaching the same theology and the same caged beliefs because it's not empowerment. Right. Well, right. Well, look where we are. Look where we are. <laughs> right. And I'm just, I'm time out for that. Like, I am, you know, so ride and die for growth and development within our people that it's so important to me that we are holistically just leveling up. Mm-hmm. In our mm-hmm. food, in our money, in our creativity, in our boldness, and how we rear our children, in our spirituality, and our love and honor and reverence of God. Like it, it's all this whole wraparound thing that has to change. Right. And I think that that's what's happening in society. You see this this roaring feminine energy that's raising up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like an ancestral balancing because we've been living in the, under this patriarchal patriarchy, yeah. sort of realm and it hasn't worked. Yeah, European patriarchy too. Yes. It's a whole different it's thing. It's a whole other different yeah, thing. That, that's a, that's a either or and the African tradition is also and also you know? and so you have this feminine energy that's rising up you see you know Oya and all these hurricanes and you see this fire you know with all these forest fires every the nature is shifting there's this whole energetic change and it is calling forth a different design in how we show up in the world mm-hmm. that we just cannot ignore mm-hmm. everybody doesn't have the boldness and the ability to navigate and to really go that deep and that's fine, but some of us are called right. to truly, truly teach this stuff. Right. And those of us who are called to do that, you can't ignore it because we have a specific designed mission to awaken something different in our people. Right. So that's where the revolution and comes from. And that is from. where this yeah. is modern day 2018 revolution. It is. And that's what I even call the goddess awakening and healing sanctuary is a revolution. It's my part. Mm-hmm. You know, my part of the I'm going to vote on Tuesday. I'm going to do all those other things. But this is my part of the revolution helping to awaken and yes. heal my sisters for the ripple effect so that it goes out into the community to their husbands to their sons to their daughters mm-hmm. but if we don't know because when you heal a woman you heal a nation you heal a and nation. we don't know that we don't mm-hmm. know that many mm-hmm. of us don't know that but for those of us who are called to this work it's a it's a blessing to it be is. able to share oh my gosh I it's wake a blessing up, to be able to share i wake up in so much gratitude to god every day for just being vulnerable enough to hear yep. and obedient enough to act and to move and to have chosen a career path that gives me the freedom to do the things that I need to do every day. Right. And it's not always easy, but when I tell you it's so divine and so pure. Right. And I don't I don't take it for granted. And you know, it's just I can't put into words. It's just too much. It's really too much. It's really a blessing. And, you know, I was thinking about it doesn't it doesn't stop you from being in the fetal position. Be clear. But you have tools. You You have have the tools tools to be able to shift that. And the reality is you're in the fetal position even more because it's like once you decide, okay, God, I I choose to live a a true healed in whole life. Right. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, really? That's what you want? That's what you want? All right, boom. Here, here you go. Here you go. Oh, you think you're done? Okay, here, here's another one. Right. So you're actually in the fetal position more because you have to be almost naked. Right. You have to be naked 
in order to raise up and truly live in this whole light. You have right. to do that. You do. And you have to really like unpack and shed and emote and really be in tune. And then you got to look at yourself. It, it's a lot of mirror work. Well, that's what I was going to say. So a lot of people call themselves healers uh-huh. and they are. I don't subscribe to that for myself. I call myself the mirror guide Mm -hmm. because I'm the mirror reflecting because I've been through some of that stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm the guide just helping you along to do it, to point you back to yourself because you are your own healer. Everybody is their own healer. You don't need somebody to heal you. You You just need them to guide you to those steps and help you navigate what that looks like. And then you can choose to do it or don't. Mm You got to awaken to your own right. intuitive knowledge. You right. got to tap into your own cells and your own everything. And, right. Um, that's important. That's important. So yeah. that's why I say I'm the mirror guide. Yeah. So tell me about Ghana. How do you get there? Do, do, do you fundraise for it? And then what do this, the ladies do while they're there? So we fundraise for the trip um, and we try to fundraise to the point of uh, being able to cover the trip mm-hmm. for the girls. Fund it. Mm-hmm. And some parents do go, which makes it even um, more beautiful. Mm-hmm. So when we're there, um, we do different things. So this is our this has been our second trip. Um, was it July? Yep, we just came back in July okay. this year. So this trip was a little different than the first one um, okay. as far as the places that we went. But the general gist of it is that the kids definitely go to a school and they um, give supplies. Mm-hmm. The kids this year was were able to teach a class. Oh wow! Um, they also we did the Slave River this year, which was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely go to slave castles, mm-hmm. and they see that. Um, they do a uh, they go to Cancun National Forest, which I believe has the highest canopy walk. Um, in the world, but they do the canopy uh, tour and they do that leading up to crossover. Oh, wow. They're going to different, we go to um, different villages. So Mm -hmm. they go and visit shrines at the different villages. Okay. Um, They go to the Asanto shrine. They go and see uh, Kwame Nkrumah, um, uh, his statue in his uh, shrine. Mm -hmm. They go to the beating village. Um, So they just see different elements of some of the things that we do in the programming. Um, and then, of course, the final crossover, we have been doing it at this area called the Brainerd Beach, which is in Cape Coast. And um, it's, uh, I, I don't want to give too much about yeah, it. Cause, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's definitely, it's ritual right. and very sacred. Yeah. But um, the mothers who are there are able to, you know, participate as their daughter journeys, you know, through the steps of, you know, being kind of bathed in the ocean and mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and doing things to uh, cross over. Okay. And, um you know, it's amazing, you know, go out and forage some spiritual plants and create a bath for them and get some things together. And it's it's Africa. The, the journey in Ghana is is life changing for mm-hmm. the girls. Yeah, I was going to ask that because it, I wanted to know, are they afraid or are any of the parents afraid before they go? Always. They're always afraid right. before they go. Always, always, always. Yeah. They don't know what to expect. Right. Um, and they always come back with their heart broken wide open Mm -hmm. because to interact and engage with the children first and foremost is a very humbling experience Mm -hmm. but then to 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 see the impact of colonialism firsthand and to be in a slave castle where you can still smell the stench 
of feces and, and urine and, um, you know, bodily eject, in, in ejections, you can still smell it inside of a slave castle. You can mm. still feel the power of, of women or the strength of women grabbing at you when they don't want to go through the door of no return. You can, if you are spiritually fertile and vulnerable, you can feel literally and hear the voices of your ancestors when you're in that slave castle. And when you're there and you can see that they kind of built a church on top of the dungeons to start indoctrinating spiritual Christianity into the mindsets of our people, mm. you kind of understand what they did when they stripped away the traditional realm of honoring God and yeah. imparted upon them the the Christianity that we know of today in this right. country because it's just different than African Christianity. It's totally different. Right. So I'm speaking of a whitewashed Christianity. Yes. Um, so when you are taught that and they see it, it's one thing to say it, you know, you don't you don't catch it you don't get it but mm -hmm. when you experience it it's something totally different right so you see and here's the other thing that they get to see they get to see a country where their people who are rich in culture history resources natural resources all of them ride around with white jesus hanging i know when i was in africa it i saw more colonialism than i've seen here oh. It is so mind-boggling. And the kids are like, what is going on here? Right. So it gives you an opportunity to truly teach from a space of this is what it is. And for the parents. Yeah. yeah you know, because we are coming from a church. So right. these are, we are very much so Christian practicing Christians. Right. Then you get over there and you see it firsthand. You're like, oh, my God. Yep. What have I like when I come back, I have to take three months off the off of church from the very beginning because right. you have to reformulate what what did, what just happened. Right. What did I just see? Right. So there's so much of that. But let me tell you the most impactful, I think, moment on our trip this time mm -hmm. was the Slave River. Okay. Because you, you got to this ancestral garden and you had to watch a video that kind of showed the walk from different countries because they were all kind of walking from different places in order to get to um, the, the, the ports at Cape Coast um, and Amina Castle. Mm -hmm. And so at the Slave River, there was uh, the final point where they took their baths and there were some auctioning blocks there. Um, before they did the last journey to um, the ports, and when you when we got there, there was the first thing is that they had they showed us where they planted mimosa plants outside of the house, which is the dying plant. Mm -hmm. When you touch a mimosa plant, it acts as if it's dying. Okay. So that's what they planted outside of their houses in order to be alerted if um, captors were coming into their villages. So you saw that and you know were able to teach uh, to touch it and kind of see it firsthand. But they had you take off your shoes mm -hmm. so that when you journeyed and walked to the Slave River, you kind of actually felt what it must have felt like. And we were there, we were there during raining season, so it is pouring down rain, it's muddy. Mm -hmm. And all the girls took off their shoes willingly. Mm -hmm. And we're walking to the river from uh, this ancestral garden. And when you're walking, there's still thorns and stuff in the grass. Mm -hmm. So when you walk, it hurts yeah. because something is poking your feet the entire journey to the river. And so you're walking in this mud, in this rain. It hurts mm -hmm. barefoot to this river and you get to the river and you make this offering and, you, you know, you pray, you do your libations. But when you get down to the banks of the river, you realize that the river has gold in it. 
untouched, untapped gold that you can physically see with your naked eye. Wow. Which means that unbeknownst to them, they washed our ancestors in gold prior to taking them to the slave castles, which means that those who survived the Middle Passage that are our ancestors, Mm -hmm. unbeknownst to their captures, were bathed in gold prior to. When you understand that my ancestor that survived was washed in gold, and that is the strength (laughs) that I come from, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. got these babies able to take their hands and dig underneath this water and grab into their hands and touch and feel and see. My great-great-great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I mean, you, God. Right. Was washed in gold. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, when I went to Cameroon, I went to wow. the beach. I went to the beach. Yeah. And I had that kind of moment where, like, because of you, because of your strength, because of your power, however many generations, I'm here. I am here. I'm here. And thank you. And thank you. And thank you for thank you for your tenacity and your strength. And it it hurt. Yeah. Wherever everywhere you went, it was painful. It was painful. And you still survived. So mm-hmm. amen to that. And that yes. sounds amazing. And so tell us a little bit about how people the moms here in the DMV, the parents mm-hmm. can participate or go through the process of the application and whatever, because it's coming up. The deadline yes, is coming, coming up. up. The, the deadline for applications for this cycle of girls is November the 18th. So okay. we are accepting applications now. In order to get an application, you could either follow Womanhood Training at Womanhood Training on um, social media, on Instagram. Okay. Okay. The application is in the bio. Okay. You just click the link. Or you can go to www.womanhoodtraining.com. Okay. And there is an application link that should be on the website. Um, or you can send an email to womanhoodtraining at gmail.com. Okay. And we can send you the link. Okay. Um, and so then you can just fill out the application, submit it. We would schedule an interview. Um, and anything else you want, anyone would, have, would want to know about the program, okay. you can see highlights on the program through the Instagram pictures, Facebook pictures, and through reading um, what's up on the website. It shows a little bit about the programming, our principles. Okay. Um, it gives a little bit of design of what we do. So this is 13 to 18. 13 to 18. 13 to 17 as far as applying. Applying. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, mamas, didn't that sound awesome? Like, I feel like, you know, you got to fill out the application. You got to consider, even if you're, you know, very um, traditional with, you know, your spirituality, this is just something else to consider to help bolster your child and to help, you know, uh, us, you know. Uh Um, So, what has been the impact? So maybe someone who was in the training 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. uh, 2015, 14, like what are they saying now after, you know, they've been through it mm-hmm. and now they're in the real world and how have you been getting like testimonials about how amazing they are just doing well academically. Mm-hmm. They're running for positions on campus. Mm-hmm. They have great internships. They, um, are just tapping into their creativity. They're all, you know, most of the girls are college bound and in college. Okay. And doing well on campus, doing very well. And so what they learned from womanhood training gave them, first of all, you know, they can pretty much survive anything because they did that, then went to Africa. And and a lot of them are going to Africa right before they go into their freshman year of college by the time they cross over. So um, they've been able to just utilize the skills that they learned and employ that in their academic careers. 
and um, in their boldness and just how they show up on campus. Yeah. It's hard to stand out in college. So yeah. when you have a uh, when you have something to stand on, right? You know, it just gives you that extra oomph in addition right. to your academics and so forth and so on. And, and part of the program is nurturing them to get to the place where they're college ready, right? And working on their writing skills, taking them to college fairs, that type okay. of thing. So we are invested, you know, in that as well. So they get that support that they may not get at home or sometimes mom is tired, you know? So you got, they got nine other mamas and whatever mentors, that means they got 11 other mamas and they call us mama. I am Mama Marcia. Okay. And so they get to call on their other mama to support that process. And so they always have us to reach out to as they're navigating, you know, certain things. I think they're better in their relationships um, and how they deal with um, boys and and how they honor their bodies. Mm -hmm. They understand their sacred spaces and the power of their womb. And so they're, you know, just more intentional, I right. would say. Okay. I love it. Okay, so November 18th is the deadline. So yes. please submit an application if yes. you're interested. So now you talked about some of the classes that you taught this, mm-hmm. the students and you talked about nutrition. Yes, Because that's my nutrition thing. is, especially in that age group, mm-hmm. it's tough. It's tough. So now tell us about your company, Sweet Mossies, and how you even got involved with it and talk to us about just the healing properties of food and things like that. So um, Sweet Mossies is my boutique culinary company. Um, It's named after my father. Um, And I started it uh, a few years ago, probably 2013, 12-ish. Um, I grew up around food. You okay. know, I, my father grew everything that we ate. Okay. He um, owned the first black restaurant in Arlington County, and he was a butler, um, server, and food in the White House. He, he catered everywhere, and I just grew up around food, okay. and I had no idea. When I was going to law school and going to Spelman and getting all my academics together, I had no idea that the soul of me really, you know, was in the kitchen. I had no idea. Okay. So at some point, it all just sort of came together. And I have this uh, company now. And so what I've done with it is that I'm really, really into healthy eating. And not healthy eating as in everybody eat lettuce and carrots and call it a day. Right. No, I like to boost the nutritional value of food mm-hmm. through the use of the appropriate blending of well-sourced spices and herbs. Mm-hmm. So you can have this beautiful, great um, eating experience. I like to call myself an anthropologist of food because okay. I can curate your meal. This okay. is why I use these two things together. Okay. This is what the purpose is for your body. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm feeding you this way. And you can still have great um, food, mm-hmm. but then you understand why you're combining certain things. Totally. You, you, know, you know you're not eating this meat with this starch and this vegetable thinking that it's all going to be digested at the same time. You know, when it comes to kids, I'm making them, you know, read the pe- the back of the snacks that they eat. Like, what are you putting in your body? And how can we supplement this to something else? Mm-hmm. How do you source your spices? Are you going to the store and buying whatever you see on the shelf and thinking that it has the great healing powers of an, a, a good peppercorn or a good stick of cinnamon? Because it doesn't. Because right. it's sitting in the light and it's, you know, being exposed and, and so you really want to get it sourced from a different place. So I like to, to teach those things. But I also um, do stew pots um, okay. during the winter months. And stew pot season is coming up. Mm-hmm. And I make these delicious, healing, nutritious stew pots that people get to, that are always plant-based. And people top it with their different uh, toppings, crab, shrimp, chicken, you know, whatever the case may be. But I sell that, too, um, with uh, Sweet Mossy. So it's, it's, it's two things. It's, it's food and cooking, but it's also teaching. 
and um, helping women to and, and people in general, but I, I really cater to women in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. how to tap into their cellular, ancient cellular knowledge so they understand what to heal themselves. It's the whole mindfulness, mind, body, food, food earth connection. Mm-hmm. That when you're centered, when you're whole, when you ritual and practice and do all the things we do, then you're able to kind of sit with yourself and understand where in your body you need to be fed. Mm-hmm. And you understand what your cells are asking for. So whatever you're consuming is exactly what your body needs to heal itself. So that way you're able to transition off of so many medications and so many um, pharmaceutical elements of healing. And you get to tap back into what your body already knows to do. Right. Right. So that's the part of it. So yeah. our body, we're born with our bodies being able to heal themselves. Yes. So if you think about a a squirrel or an animal in the forest, when they get sick, they go deep into the forest and they sleep. Mm-hmm. They don't go to the vet. Vets didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. That's like a new whole racket yeah. that's out. Mm-hmm. Animals intuitively know how to go sit down, mm-hmm. get off the internet, get off the TV, and eat something good and then go to sleep. Because mm-hmm. that's where the healing, the regeneration, yes. the renewal, the mm-hmm. Everything happens when you're asleep. And so we don't do that here in the West because I don't know where they do it, but definitely here in the West, we're so socialized to just be moving, 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 moving. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have the opportunity to let our body say, I didn't like that, Mm -hmm. you know, that food or I didn't the the numbness in the toe or the the slight little headache or the in your throat because you ate something is a sign that maybe that's not the best thing for you. Exactly. But we just pass right through it because mm-hmm. we're busy we're and we're busy. on 395. That, that, that grind mentality will kill you. Yes, it will kill you. It will so kill you. we are in fall, mm-hmm. autumn, yes. right? And so talk to us about um, some herbs and spices and maybe like one good recipe, like a soup recipe. Oh, you get me off the cuff. I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> yeah, it takes way too much thought for me to do that off so the cuff. So easy, an uh, easy soup? I, no, I can't give one. No, okay. no, no. If I'm not giving it. Well, no. Not to give okay. proprietary. Okay, I'm okay, just talking okay. About so like, an easy soup. Yeah. I would say that, the uh, you know, an easy, I don't like that people use bouillon cubes. Oh, yeah, that's just So I would so say deep. you definitely just start off and you, um, Take some onions, take some good alliums and put it in a pot. Do okay. onions and do shallots. Get okay. that get that toasted. Okay. But before you even do that, cut up your garlic. You want your garlic to sit out for at least ten mm-hmm. minutes so mm-hmm. your garlic is exposed to the air. Mm-hmm. That's when the garlic gives all of its gets all of its power, powerful nutrients so that it's not yep. dying in your pot. Yep. So let it sit out. Then uh, once you cut saute these onions a little bit, add some garlic. And then add some we're now in the season, add some ginger. Right. Add some turmeric, some fresh turmeric if you can get some. Mm-hmm. You know, add some thyme and some rosemary and just go and smell things and see what smells good to you. Add okay. some brew. Put all of that in a pot and get that brewing. Add some some water okay. and get that and let that build your base. Mm-hmm. If you want to add some tomatoes then great. Then let that build your, um, get your base. Add some black seeds to it. Go out and, and, and smell some flowers. Some really good edible flowers. Mm-hmm. Add those to your pot mm-hmm. and let that be your base of what you're cooking mm-hmm. and then add to it um, greens or noodles mm-hmm. or um, any type of root vegetable and we're now in a root vegetable right, season right. so we're talking about you know potatoes and um, sweet potatoes um, carrots um, you can do uh, different types of squash, squash. Mm-hmm. 
add some of that to it and let that be your base and then you know start tasting it and right. see what else you want to top it with and add to it but let that, that just good. be your that sounds good and easy it's good I mean, that sounds and easy. easy and you do not have to go and get chicken stock or any type of vegetable stock you can just make, make it quickly at yeah. home quickly yeah. well this is the time for nourishment so yes. this is the time to go within it's mm-hmm. getting cold and our body automatically wants warming foods yes it wants teas it wants soups yes. it wants those things the the crispy cool salad is not necessarily what the body wants right now right, right. and if you think about evolution evolutionarily i don't even know if that's a word but how we began mm-hmm. is that Every time when you're a baby, whether you're nursing or not, when you don't feel good, as soon as that cry comes, you're nursed Mm -hmm. or you're given a bottle. So the nourishment and us being attracted to food to fill that hole, to Mm -hmm. be nourished is is natural in us. We we were kind of born that way. Mm -hmm. So you start to feel things, which what we know as comfort food. That's what people call it in, you know, I want those potatoes or whatever. So just think about it. That's natural for us mm-hmm. to want to have something nourishing, yeah. but you want it to be good. Just good. And you want it to be vital, live mm-hmm. food. You don't want the whole bag of chips or the whole you bag don't. of Doritos. You want the things that will nourish your body to help you just be yeah. vi- vital. You I know? made a quick soup for dinner last night. It probably took me 30 minutes. I did it before I head out to the meeting. And I just did like coconut milk and curry yep. and ginger and onions in a pot. And then I threw in some cauliflower and some good broccoli and some onions and some peppers and let that brew real quick. Mm-hmm. And there I have it. It was perfect. That sounds and good. And it's, it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's so easy to do. So that's what, you know, that's what we really want to talk about. Nourishing is um, more than just food a lot of times. Nourish, nourishment comes from your spirit. It and does. the connection with the spirit. Nourishment comes from the love of your family and your friends. Yes. And your sisters yes. and your brothers. Nourishment comes from definitely food. So this is the time where it gets a little colder. We're kind of wanting intuitively to have those connections. Yes. You know, you're going over somebody's house and then, you know, before you're just like, everybody's going to the beach or they're going hanging out. Here, during this season, it's natural to go over somebody's house and everybody bring a little something and you're in Mm -hmm. and you're just chilling and you're warm and you're having a good time. So be open to doing more of that now during this time and consider that good uh, recipe that Marcia gave us. So now we have... Two minutes. Yes. Okay. So again, tell us the socials for um, where people can find you for the womanhood training and then for Sweet Mossy. Sure. So womanhood training is at womanhood training and website womanhoodtraining.com. And to find me, um, you can go to at Sweet Mossies, S-W-E-E-T-M-O-S-S-I-E-S. I'm mm-hmm. on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And my website is sweetmossies.com. And you can find everything you need to know about my company, my stew pots, see my schedule when I'm going to be stewing and brewing. Okay. Because everybody should get a pot. It's, it's definitely worth it. Okay. It's definitely worth it. And then I also saw that you have milk. Yes, I do. Plant-based milks. So I really try to teach people about um, inflammation and getting away from eating so much dairy and consuming so much dairy because it causes mucus in the body. And, you know, it's a whole nother rant on that. Um, So um, I make plant-based milks. So oat milk, almond milk, cashew milk, 
pistachio milk, any type of milk. But then I enhanced the milk with flowers and herbs. Oh, wow. And other things so that, you know, it may have butterfly pea flour with rosemary, with a little bit of raw honey, or mm. I may do just dates and um, cacao powder and, you know, some other things just to make different um, tasting milks. Wow. Um, so they're very good for golden lattes yes. or any type of um, tea lattes or just to add to your smoothies. Yes. I do sea moss smoothies with my oat milk in the morning. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I so, do the golden milk. Yeah. I make that at night before mm-hmm. I go to bed. Yeah. So that's the turmeric, ginger, sure. black pepper, corns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I use I use coconut milk. Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of... Um, cinnamon like a yeah. Ceylon cinnamon stick uh-huh. yeah yep. so that's good so that's another recipe uh-huh. that was a freebie that we that's just gave a you so on delicious. Sweet Mossies do you deliver do they come to you what's so the process I used to do on um, delivery this year I'm definitely not doing as many deliveries what I'll do is have pickup spots and so okay. they can come and just pick up I'll just announce locations I may do deliveries if it's uh, order large enough but I'm going to slow down from running around everywhere because I just have so much going on in order for me to because I sell out within two hours that's of awesome posting it so in order for me to cater to a uh, large number of people I can't be running around the city all no. day so I'm gonna have to figure out a different mechanism to do it keeping in mind that I practice law full time well, I was gonna say, most she's people a don't lawyer. realize that I practice law full time so people right. call me like do you have still I'm like oh, I'm in trial right um and so I you know I'm a renaissance woman I do yes. a lot of stuff that's, that's cool that's the fullness of me um, but I am thinking about taking some time off this, this due season just to focus on stew because okay. I really love this food piece. And so, so yeah, most people don't realize that I do that full time. So therefore, I don't have the time to run around. Well, thank you, Marcia, for, for coming. You for thank me. you for talking so about great. so many awesome things. Yes. Please fill out the application if you can by please, November 18th. Please, send your child. Let us have her. Yes. And then thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Uh, follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and goddess-awaken.com uh, to follow the the revolution. Talk to you next time.